You're listening to the Power Platform People podcast on the CRM Audio Network with the bearded CRM guy Ian Connolly and the Mark Christie. The guys will take you on a journey of the Power Platform community. Here we go. Mr. Connolly, how are we doing? I'm very well, Mr. Christie. How are you? I'm all right. I think first off, we kind of need to start off with an apology for a uh, for going away from our once-a-month schedule, we had technical difficulties with Mr. Ben Vollmer, who we're going to probably get on next week. Yeah, I think we're going to make up for it today. We've got somebody who we've both met a couple of times, uh, quite well-known within Microsoft, uh, Mrs. Carissa Allen, about to join us. So it should be quite a an interesting chat. We've got a Microsoft veteran coming on now, and it's Carissa. She's been here for Microsoft for 22 years, I believe. Yep. Crazy. Oh, that's such a long time. It's people like saying <laughs> that, really, isn't it? I mean, even I was just thinking. You see, even if you just put a dot in between the twenty-two years, Ian, have you amassed that level of commitment <laughs> to any company you've ever been? At? So uh, that's how it's yeah. going to be today. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely not. Like I think back when I worked in a call center, when I worked in the contact center, I was there for like eight years. But ever since, no, you're quite right. I probably changed jobs every two years. Like today, I finished a contract, so I'm tendering just now for something else. But so, so you're actually unemployed, Ian? Is that what you're telling us? Yeah, at the moment, I am unemployed at the time of recording this. Yes, he's Thanks. in between greatness, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, that, that, I knew there was a reason I, I brought you here. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't put. Um, oh, what was the song I was thinking of? Nana, why don't you? Get, oh, who sings that again? Why don't you get a job? Is that not the Offspring? Uh, I think it is, but let's get back to the point of this today. Uh, I, I think that's going to be the intro music now for this one, right? Yes, it I has to feeling. be. Yeah. I have a feeling. We can't afford that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carissa, how are you doing? You know, I'm I'm great. It's been an interesting couple of weeks here. There's been a lot going on, and so yeah, I'm this is I'm in a good place. Thank you for asking. And what is the, the kind of the biggest bit of news that's come out in the past couple of weeks? So, um, okay, well, there's lots of news for Microsoft that's come out in the past couple of weeks, right? Um, for me personally, is that I will be, have been, have changed roles, technically as of Wednesday. Um, so, so that's been the big thing for me, um, not to bring it all to me, but that, that's been the, the it's thing. It's about you, but let's not bring it back to me. You have a job, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, okay, so, Ian, so I have this conversation with my father, who was, like, in banking, VP, all of this, you know, and, and when I told him I was changing jobs at Microsoft, he was like, oh, I can't believe you're changing jobs, and man, your manager must be so frustrated, and you've only been in that role for a couple of years, not even, and I'm, I'm trying to help my, my parents understand that in this new economy, it's all project-based work. Right. Yep. The mere fact that I've been at Microsoft for 22 years, people actually look at that and they go, "Ooh, you've been there too long, which I beg to differ because there's so many different opportunities within Microsoft. I have the opportunity to reinvent myself within this very large, constantly changing company. But when you look out into the market, it's all project based work and you're expected to change every 18 months or so. It's natural. So. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, I'm not it's, worried it's about it. It's all good. It's good. A hundred percent. It's all good. It's part of yeah, the process, good. and it is what it is. Yeah, you're in Microsoft. You've been here for twenty two years, but how many positions have you held in that twenty two years at Microsoft? Yeah. Well, when I look back, I look at it by discipline as opposed to position, because you know, as with any big company, oftentimes the positions, the positions and the titles will change, but you kind of stay in place, yep. right? Okay. So if I look at the disciplines. And this is the this is the cool thing that I, I'm pretty proud of is like I started in inside sales with partner management and then I I moved into enterprise account management in the field, which was one of my favorite gigs. And I stayed longer than most in that. I was there for like six years working with many of the same accounts, which was unheard of at the time. Wow. And then I moved over to business applications in different roles, but basically in different levels, right? Whether it was like the small district and then into the the West region and then to the U S but doing similar things, similar discipline. It was more marketing and sales strategy and execution. And I did that for another, I don't know, five to six years. And, um, the numbers aren't adding up right now, but basically, and then I moved to a worldwide. So I think of it in chunks, right? So if I yeah. think of my career in chunks, I would say there's probably been like 
four or five key moves in the 22 years that I, I consider to be pivotal and where I really learned. Um, but you know, if you if you go through this my resume, yeah, if you average that, then you're looking at yeah. every four years. Yeah, I would say. I mean, if you look at the resume, the traditional resume view, which, by the way, I've thrown out the window. I have a new view on my resume, which I, I really enjoy. I blatantly stole it from Marissa um, Mayer over at Yahoo, I think it is. But if you look at it, when you get to be our age, I'll just throw an hour out there, even though I think I know I'm definitely the oldest person on this call, <laughs> is that you, know, you get two pages of like size eight font of, okay, here's what's the title and here's what I did. Here's the title, here's what I did. And I prefer to think about it in chunks, right? Because you can have a couple different roles that were the, pretty much just an iteration on the same thing. Yep. So yes, to your point, if you do the math, I've spent four or five years in different disciplines and have absolutely had a blast. Yes. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm just uh, looking at the 17 pages <laughs> you've got on LinkedIn here of, of where, what you've been on. So worldwide business applications lead and then yeah. one commercial partner. So I think that's, that's obviously where where you've been working with myself and Ian that's have got to, to know you a little yes. bit. So what is your your new role? Yeah. I, I think I know the title and I think I know what it is and yeah. I think I'm going to start asking you for a discount card. Well, that's but... just it. It's like I was thinking about how do I explain this to people? So I'm, I'm doing a reinvention. I'm taking a bit of a left turn. And so after 14 years where business applications have been in, have been in my purview, right? It's been my core responsibility. I'm stepping away and I'm going over to our worldwide Microsoft stores organization and everyone at first like I get the head tilt and they look at me like what but here's what's going on when I first met this group three years ago I did an immersion with them I I, I paid my own money it was part of a, a charity donation where I paid to go work in a store for a couple days because anyone who knows me knows I'm a little bit crazy that way and I love to interact with people and I thought that sounded fun and I was walking through store zero which is Basically, retailers, as you probably know, many of your people listening know, they'll have a mock-up store, a complete huge store in a warehouse somewhere. And that's where they try everything out. So I was walking through that and I'm like, have we brought any of our retail customers through this? Because they might be interested. And three years ago, they said, you know, we're just starting to talk about that. We're just starting to do that. Fast forward to now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going over to MS Stores to work with a team that is focused on showing customers how Microsoft approaches retail and what we think about when it comes to customer interactions, what we think about when it comes to customer experience, what we are doing with all the data we're gathering, things like that. And so literally, I'll be running briefings around the world for our top retail customers, showing them how we do retail at Microsoft. And the tie-in, and I'll be there's lots of other stuff I'll be doing, but the tie-in there is that Microsoft stores run on Dynamics 365 for retail. They also use Dynamics 365 for marketing, in some cases for event management. And all of these conversations are traditional business decision maker, line of business, like speaking to like. And so my business apps background plays very well into this. So it's, it's not as much of a left turn once I give people that spiel. Is that too much information? <laughs> No, that's awesome. Like, I, no, no, I, it's, I'm still trying to think how I get a discount card for the Microsoft stores, but no, it's, it's not happening. Right, how, how what? A discount card for the for the stores, but it seems it's a little it's bit a, different. And also, Mark, there is no stores in the UK. I think they're looking at one in London. <clears throat> yes. London. So um, that's the other thing is that I'll I'll be being I'll be in London quite a bit. I can't give you the date because the date's not official, but I'll be over that way quite a bit engaging with our enterprise customers. And so y'all better come see me. And as far as some discounting, I, I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to see what I can do. Uh, I keep winding Ben Volmer up about that. You guys are <laughs> shameless. Shameless. Some of the community oh, is just shameless when it comes to that. I love it. I'm like, talk to Ben. <laughs> I think you'll find there's probably no, there's no one more shameless than me and Mark, to be honest, when it comes to that stuff. We're, we're not that nah, Well, not let me tell you thing. one, well, one no, thing. I am. And I don't know what this is going to look like yet. So, you know, along with talking with the customers at the store is like, I'm going to be leveraging this amazing community that I've met thanks to you and to others, because I also want to build a partner channel who, and, and have partners leveraging these store experiences where it makes sense, right. For, for their pursuits. So 
there's that piece to it. I also get to mentor early in career store employees. I mean, there's lots of different pieces of it that feed Carissa, but where this community and everything you have taught me in the past 17 months and getting to know you and spending time with you at all these D365 Saturdays, which by the way, I'm still going to sneak into. I'll be in the back with sunglasses and a hat. Oh. No, no, you will be up front speaking. <laughs> I, I don't think me and Ian have told you yet, but you, we've actually already booked you for next year. You just don't February know. 29th, right? I have See, the date memorized. I'll be right. there. You can come I'll in be there. with sunglasses and a big hat and everything else on because actually, we'll just put up a picture and say, have you seen this person? If so, speak to her, grab her, push her down the front, pull her side of the back. Because she would do that to every single one of yours. So you did mention a little bit, a bit there about you're going to be mentoring people as well. Is that something mm-hmm. that that's something that I know you enjoy doing, and you kind of take a fondness yeah. in doing that? Um, have you been doing that throughout your career, or is that something you've picked up quite recently? It, I've done it in ways that weren't deliberate, and and something that I talked about with Marie Weiss um, a while back was. It's, there was this tipping point that happened with me when it was probably about 10 years ago, and it was maybe a little bit less, where my mentors, who were basically at the stage of life that I'm at now, including you know where their kids are, you know, their their career, their level and level of influence, my mentors started to leave, right? And this happens, especially for women, once you get to a certain level, I won't say glass ceiling, but I'll say it at the same time. And then there's the demands of like something else that recently just happened in my personal life where you have, you end up having to care for parents and you're raising your kids. A lot of things come into play. And so a lot of my mentors started leaving. So I was starting to feel a little untethered that way. And at the same time I was meeting due to a job shift, I was meeting early in career people who were starting to ask me more for advice. And I tell you this story because that's where it shifted for me, where I became much more deliberate in realizing that I had something to share and that I was not just a mentee, I could be a mentor, right? And so that happened about eight years ago. I would say it went crazy off the scale in the past two years when I moved into more of a worldwide role, when I started meeting at first people within the Microsoft organization in the field. Um, I had been so US centric and I started meeting people around the world and we started sharing more and they, they wanted to talk to me about life at Corp. And then I went into the partner channel and there was so much opportunity there. Um, the, the short answer to your question is it's something I naturally fall into. I've been much more deliberate about it in the last two years. How about that? No, I, I think you kind of, you do fall into that a little bit as well. I mean, I, I've kind of come from a career path where everything has been self-taught. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the stage where I get more pleasure seeing somebody that I've shown how to do something yeah. succeed and work yeah. than I do for me doing it. Uh-huh. It's like I, a previous place that I worked, I worked a lot with the grads. Um, and I've seen some of those grads go on to do talks, to build decent bits of codes, to do blogs. Yep. And I'm like... I, I'm not taking credit for anything they've done, but mm-hmm. I feel accomplished that they're able to do that sort of stuff. And it's it's a good feeling. Yeah. It's it's one of these things. It's, it's really good fun. And I think Ian does exactly the same thing. Ian will probably not admit that he does <laughs> it, but Ian speaks to a lot of people and Ian gives a lot of people advice. He's just not upfront and doesn't doesn't tell a lot of people. But I know Ian does give a lot to of good fair, advice. To be fair, I'm sitting here listening to his thinking, yeah, I wish that I'd done this more or I wish that I had some sort of mentor type thing that I could say or have somebody that I would say right now, I have a mentor that's this person, but I just do what I do. And I, and that's the thing. I, I think it's, I don't think about it. I started to, mm-hmm. sort of, as I said, finished a contract today, but I'm retending for the same place. But in there, there's a CRM team and there were people who didn't know anything about like the XRM toolbox, they didn't know anything about various parts of what was coming new. So I sit and I teach them all of this and all the stuff that I learn or pass on and things like that. So I definitely do that mentoring, yeah. but it's it's not something I do. It's not something that I'm comfortable saying I am a mentor or I do this for the limelight. It's, it's just I don't have that in me. I think that needs more nurturing and that kind of leads me down to that question, I suppose, for you, Chris, with what you've been doing it quite heavily for the last two years now. How do you go about or how does a mentor T, if that's the word, or something that's mentored, 
find you and come to you? Or mm -hmm. how does that happen? So, it, it, kind of going back to what you were both just talking about, whether it's deliberate mentoring or, you know, by association or organic, which is, Ian, what you were just describing. Yeah. You know, my philosophy in life is that every interaction is a gift. It really is. And you can, every interaction is an opportunity. It can be positive. It can be negative. It can be churn. It can be static, whatever. And so what I'm hearing both of you talk about is the fact that, you know, you're, you're seizing the opportunities, maybe not deliberately, but you're sharing your knowledge, right? And that feeds you as well. And that's the cool thing, right? I am very wary of people who come in and like, I need to get three mentees and blah, 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 because then it's all about them. This isn't about you. Yes, this feeds us. It feeds the three of us. But this is more about connection than anything, in my opinion. So how people have found me or how they can find me is literally just when we go into the different events or when I drop into an area field office, it's, it's simply a matter of stopping and listening to people. And when you show that you will, that you listen, if the, if the person wants to have a continued conversation with me, absolutely. Right. Putting together the roundtables at some of the events and we can call them whatever we want, right. Whether it's women in technology or whether it's just, Hey, come, come have lunch with Carissa. You know, it, it, it there's an opportunity there. And, and I'm not going to go, I, on rare occasions have I ever gone to somebody saying, I want to mentor you. I see potential, but usually people will come to me. I just broadcast that I'm open to it, right? I've had people reach out to me on LinkedIn. I would prefer to have a connection first, right? But after I meet people face to face, I'm, I'm, I'm always open to it. I will always make time to talk to someone. Anyone who says they don't have time to do that, they don't understand what they're missing out on, right? Because you learn as much. Communication is yeah. key. It's, it's, I think we've said this in probably most of the podcasts that me and Mark listens us just doing what we do every day, chatting to each other. Like we speak to each other daily mm -hmm. for 40 minutes easily. And we have always said we should just record our conversations and share them. Yeah. And then we're like, actually, let's do it and bring somebody else in because conversation is what it's all about. It It is. And, and again, it doesn't have to be forced, right? You, you guys sent me no questions at a time. We're not following a script here. It's just... You just have to be present, be present yep. and realize the goodness that is, that, that is happening. Um, yeah. I mean, I could talk about this forever. It's just, it's been really interesting. I've seen a significant part of me grow and it helps with my confidence as well. Just, just having these really cool connections with so many people. I think that's the full 360 of it though, isn't it? When it's that organic growth in yourself when you're mentoring someone like I understand that I understand how good it makes me feel when I see somebody learn something and go yep. wow that was cool it makes me feel mm -hmm. good and then you move on to the next thing it's just the way that I work the way that I do everything is just I don't hang about for it I move on yeah well it's it's like yeah it, some people just fall into it naturally and I'll tell you kind of building on what you just said I love getting the the emails on LinkedIn from people I've met at roundtables or at events where they're like hey Remember that thing we talked about, about the you know stupid question and how I shouldn't say it's a stupid question? That's been really painful, but I tried it and I'm getting better at it. Or the, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, I get these notes from people saying, hey, I've been working on this and it's had an impact. That'll make my week. And Mark, back to your point, I will never, ever forget. I was mentoring a high school student who was doing a summer internship at Microsoft like 10 or 12 years ago. And she asked me, she went through a presentation with me and she was super nervous. And I said, okay, well, drop in this here, maybe if you're comfortable with it or try this. And I sat in the back of the room and I watched her deliver it. And she did just a couple things in her own way. She made them her own, but they were suggestions I had made. And, she, and they were well-received and she just lit up. And I'm like, it will never get better than this, right? I, like you said, I don't need to be standing on a table. I don't need a spotlight. Seeing someone that you've helped find their voice, knock it out of the park, as we would say in American, is awesome, right? So, so I I had this, and I think I said I don't know if I actually told you this one, Ian, or not, and I maybe just told her. So when Claire was doing her talk in Glasgow, I just stood outside that room for about two minutes and thought, do you know what? From where she's came from to what she's doing now, 
Mm-hmm. That was one of kind of the moments that sticks with me the whole time, just on how how she's managed to progress herself. I mean, I didn't know she could have been talking absolute nonsense in that room, but just seeing her up there, confident in front of people, um, knowing that three years before that she hadn't picked up CRM, she maybe had a little a low confidence person, at the time as yeah. well. To see her being there was just mm-hmm. yeah, was just like. That's just that's just crazy, and it was kind of it was one of those. Let's just take a little step back and mm-hmm. actually recognize that that sort of thing. Although I, I mean, we worked on a project together for about a year and a half, and I was showing her things as we were going along. I probably didn't appreciate that I was maybe slightly mentoring her by showing her what I was showing her, giving her bits of advice on that, and then it's kind of it mm-hmm. is when you step back and you think, oh, actually, I've. I've given somebody a little bit of confidence yep, to go away exactly. and knock it I, out and of I, the park. I absolutely love Clara, and that's a perfect example of just, it doesn't even have to be deliberate, but just reaching out to somebody and bringing them along. She did the work, right? You invested in her and gave her gave her confidence that she then built herself, yep. right? But that's the whole thing, and we can, you know, this goes right into how we impact yeah. getting more diversity and how we bring people through. It's It's the little acts like that that have so much impact. It's a butterfly effect, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, especially with with that event, I mean, uh, me and Ian probably spend too much of these You should be proud of it. The event, but we, we, had a, we had a split of mm-hmm. speakers of uh, gender 50-50. Um, that hadn't been done. So, I mean, I remember having a chat with Janet Robb, and Janet said the first event that she yeah, spoke at, the at event. not even on stage, right? females at. at the event. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, 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 not even on stage, just at the event. To look out, to then look out into the crowd there in Glasgow and see, I can't even remember what we worked out. I think even attendance-wise, it was, I'm sure it was between 35 and 37%. Mm-hmm of the tickets that were registered were female. And that's and that was just... it. Like even the for us the the fifty fifty split came from sort of Dublin three six five Saturday speaking to Janet as well and that conversation we were like, there's one thing, there's a challenge. Uh-huh. Somebody's told yep. us we can't do it. Why can't we do it? Who says that the people aren't there? And for the last twelve months that I work in a team where there's four CRM devs slash consultants, whatever you want to call us. And then we're supported by the CRM team who there's 10 of mm-hmm. them and eight of them are women. I'm like, so I know they exist. We just need to get them to yep. the event. We just need to get them to it, talk. It's interesting because um, you just have to be a little deliberate about it. And you don't want to be inauthentic, but you need to be a little deliberate and, and extend the invitation. And um, I'll give you just a little bit of insight. And this is a stereotype, all right? But this is something that we talk about in 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 uh, roundtables is that when it, if you come to anything whether it's do- job application speaking opportunities anything typically and forgive me for the stereotypes typically a male for the most part given how they've been brought up will reach for the golden ring or whatever will say hey, you know I'm close enough I could do that I'm gonna put my name in the hat for that right they're gonna apply for a job where they don't have all the skills quite yet They'll apply for a speaking opportunity where it might be a stretch for them, typically. When it comes to females, typically, again, I don't like speaking in stereotypes. There's enough nodding in the room when I talk about this, though, that I know it's real. A woman will not apply for a job until she's got every single requirement on that resume, that JD, checked off, right? She will not reach out to speak at an event unless she's uber confident that she knows everything about that topic and 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 well is when she puts herself out there right because and it's a difference in mindset and i'm not saying that people should fake it i don't believe in faking it i believe in acting as if that's different but it's just that difference right with those two groups means that occasionally you need to reach back or reach out into that pool and bring and encourage women to, to 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 take that risk a little bit more it could be generational it could be yeah, I mean, I, I there's a few different things that I mean. So I, I'll be brutally honest. I took quite a lot of flack from um, s- some people 
for holding back spaces for yep. speakers. So at some point, myself and Ian got to a point where we thought we could, we didn't think we could get to that stage of the, the split, but we got to, I think about, about 12, 12 female speakers and 14 male. And mm-hmm. I thought, right, we're, we're not going to take any more male speakers on. Yeah. And I had some, some really, really good mm-hmm. male speakers who I said, no, I want these for female yes. speakers because yeah. I want to give everybody the opportunity. Um, it's a little bit of the, is it positive discrimination? I, I don't know if that's where it comes. Yeah, it became really hard for us as well mm-hmm. on that, that, trying to do that. And it's even awkward for me as a, as a, as a male to talk about just now because I don't, I don't see it the same way that other people obviously mm-hmm. do. And that's just the way I'm obviously wired, yeah. right? So we just set a challenge, 50-50. Then it's fair. That's what it is. It was just about being fair and why shouldn't it be? I don't under Like, I, I still can't get my head around why it shouldn't be like that. But I get that, as you say, there's the, the glass ceiling and everything else around that. And that is something that's there. And we did, and still to some extent, take some positive discrimination mm-hmm. and have slight... I've got slight battle wins about it. I'm more the sensible one now with the two of us when it comes to organising events and user groups and things. So yep. Art flings these crazy ideas out there. And I'm always the one that tries to bring it back down. And right. even on the... The speaker thing, we put out a call for speakers. We don't try and even say we want X, Y, or Z for some things. Mm-hmm. And you get yeah. from the fear of being able to say, no, we want a woman, we want a man, we want whatever you identify as, because what does it matter? And I, I, I agree, it's about nurturing that and helping that grow and, and yeah. bringing people that are less confident forward. And unfortunately, that stat that you just said is, is quite shocking. And I believe that that exists. So I've just logged, I've just logged into Sessionize. So we put a call for speakers out for the event for next year. And looking at that, percentage-wise, 6% who have put sessions forward mm-hmm. are females. Six. So that you're, yeah, 6%. Yeah. yeah. And that's that, that's quite scary yeah. because there are so many different talented people out there. I mean, Sarah Lagerquist is one I'm going to kind of call out. Um, I will hold my hand up and say I... I didn't really know who she was before she came to Glasgow. Mm-hmm. She spoke and absolutely nailed it. And now you can't stop her speaking. She's no, look at LinkedIn. Everywhere. She's all over. I love it. I absolutely love it. At the point for, for D365 Saturday, I was using social engagement just to see the tweets and just basically get myself familiar with social engagement. And at the point that her session was on, the tweets were off the hook. <laughs> It went crazy. Yeah. It went absolutely crazy. It was probably like we trended that whole day, but that session, that that was like the pinnacle yeah. of Twitter activity. People were just like, oh my God, what has she yeah. done? <laughs> it, it seemed to just blow the whole system up. And yeah, I missed the session, but do you know what? She, as you say, you, you can't get near her now, which is an awesome, awesome thing. She always would have got there. I'm not going to say that we were a catalyst for it because she was on that road, obviously, but we didn't know who yeah. she was particularly, seen some of her stuff, and I would like to think we helped change that trajectory for her. But that's all her own work. Ex- yes, exactly. I mean, record that, play that over and over again. Okay, you gave her an opportunity. She sees that she did the work. You should be commended for giving her the opportunity. And I know the, the flack. I know it's a challenge. You set it as a goal. You got close and you said, okay, we're going to, we're going to ensure that this, this happens. You didn't do any false unnatural acts, if you ask me, to get to that goal. And you have to articulate these things. If we do not articulate these things and challenge the community, it's not because people have bad intentions. It's because we go to muscle memory, right? And you will go to your traditional speakers and, and, and especially like I've just said, this particular group only needs a slightest push or somebody saying, you know, you could do this and then they'll just take off. And then like you're saying, you can't get near. <laughs> so, yeah. it, but it's hard. You're going to so, get grief. These are the tough conversations, right? And where I get frustrated is when I see too much focus on the dashboard without the efforts behind it, you put effort behind it, right? You had authenticity behind it. Where I get frustrated and where you've seen some of my writing and you've seen some of the talking that I've been doing is when people get so focused on a dashboard saying they have 
purple people, as I like to say, and 3.2 cat lovers and 2.1, I don't know what, is that they, they look at those numbers like, I need to move that number. And so now I'm going to start doing things. I'm going to take shortcuts to get that number better so I can say the number's better. When you look at how to have a truly inclusive, the Carissa's point of view, not an expert. 25 years in high tech, I have some things to talk about. When you look at the stages of how to get more diversity in, you guys hit it. You hit all three of them, if you ask me, with Dynamics 365 Saturday. You know, you have to build the pipeline. I really feel this. You have to build the pipeline, right? You have to be bringing more people in. And that can be like us going into schools. It can be a lot of different ways you build the pipeline. You need to then recruit and onboard these people. And that can be anything from in a professional situation. I'm lecturing now, but in a professional situation, making sure that there are women involved in the interview loops, right? I'm not saying, I don't like it when people say this particular hire has to be a woman or this particular hire has to be a diversity hire or for this particular hire, we will only pay relocation if it's a diversity hire. That's horrible. Okay, that's just wrong. You need the best person for the job but you need to make sure your candidate pool is diverse. This is Carissa's opinion. And then the third thing, which is what the execution the day of that you did is the inclusion, right? It's getting them on the actual speaking agenda. It's the positive reinforcement. It's, it's all of that. that I, I'd be curious what your points of view are on those things, but that's, we need to be doing all three of those things as gracefully as possible to truly impact diversity. Because if you just do the, what well, we're going to have, 50% women speakers, no matter what, no matter if they're qualified or not, yeah, you're going to get backlash, right? And, and yep. that's not what you did. Yeah, I think that was some of the backlash we got, but I'm, I'll not comment too much on that. I mean, what we are trying to do is make include as many things. So a few of the ideas that we've got for next time round are an introducing mm-hmm. stage. So, I mean, people, people who maybe don't have the confidence right yeah. now to do a full 50-minute session. So over the... Not to give too much away on how we're doing <laughs> certain <laughs> things, but we we want to have an introducing section where we have four speakers who come on and do twelve minutes each or ten minutes with two minutes on and off, where they just get their ten minutes to to do what they want to do, build that little bit. It's a bit like comedians. So you know how comedians yeah. start off and they do their their ten minutes uh-huh. in the club. That's what it is. It's your ten minutes in yep. the stand, and if they do that well, somebody sees them and ask them to do a wee bit longer. So that's one of the ideas we've got. Um, the other one, and I've not even told Ian yet, I'll probably arrange it and then tell him afterwards. But I've Why been speaking to... Why already? Uh, it's actually, this is a good idea, Ian. Like all of my ideas, this is a good one. Um, okay. Yeah, so, so rather than have Billy Big Balls from Big Balls Company, I, I want to have one of the local tech youth groups do the keynote speech with some amazing that tech. That is going to resonate. That's awesome. You, that's that's yep. massive. See, and you say my ideas are <laughs> shite, Ian. That was a good one. There's a reason why you said that in the podcast with Carissa, let's be honest. You sanitized yeah. that before yeah. you said that you ran that past somebody else. <laughs> No, no, that's that. That's what I've been. Tr- I've been trying to arrange now for for a few weeks. So, but that is it's about including, and it's not just diversity and mm-hmm. gender. There's, I mean, Anna Domeni. I I love Anna to bits, and she she's looked at running training sessions for people with maybe backgrounds that have not afforded them the lifestyle or the yeah. the means to be able to yes. get into this yes. industry. The she's also doing one on ages, and this is what I think is brilliant. So ageism, so ages. My dad had what? How old's my dad now? Mm-hmm. Old enough, shall we say? He's been out in Dubai for about fifteen years and wants to move back to the UK, but because of his age, nobody yeah. will take him on. I mean, he's been a project manager in healthcare um, and like high level, working for mm-hmm. Saudi Prince and everything. But because of his age, not a lot of companies yep. will take them on. And not a lot of people will either get into new new, mm-hmm. new systems or new tech. Whereas what Anna's trying to do is Anna's trying to run training for, for people of older ages who are yeah. going through career changes. So just Anna going through all these different areas and different vo- bits of diversity is just unbelievable. There's just so many... Uh, it's it's 
diversity is brilliant, but we shouldn't have to, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. We shouldn't have to think, I, I need to help promote people. The world should be in that, should be doing that naturally, mm -hmm. but there still are those, those areas that we have to try and help with. Yeah, I think it's important there to remember that, let, let's talk about the event that we spoke about a few times as well. Like When we started that, we weren't looking to promote anybody or do anything. We booked people... Yeah. A, we wanted to see that we'd never seen before and or to see that we haven't seen again. That was what we were trying to do. And we we done that. Uh, I actually just remembered a really random story that I think fits into a bit of diversity for me when I was at high school. I don't know what you call it in the States, but you do like when you go out to work experience for mm. you, is it just work experience? Like internships, go out, work at a company for a few but weeks. When I applied for mine when I was at high school, I applied for it because it said the uniform was you had to wear a skirt. And I'm at high school going, well, that's not right. Why, sh why should I have to wear a skirt? They obviously expect a woman, and it was for a reception in a hotel. Like, they obviously yeah. expect a yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, I know what that is. That's what they that's what they look for. Uh -huh. so I applied for it, and that's oh, the one I got. And I went yeah, in sorry. their trousers and stuff and just noised them up constantly for the whole week about it. I got a really shitty review back to the school that I was late and all this random stuff. And I was like, well, just because you didn't like me doesn't mean that you should do that. But... Even at that age, I kind of realised it and purposely pushed it. I just thought about that there. Flashback. The scary thing is it's still like that. I've told this story a couple of times about my daughter. So my daughter is 13, 14 at the moment, and she's just done her course choice. So over here, you kind of choose the subjects you want to do at a higher level. So that then starts to formulate where you go on a career path. So what they have is these careers advisors. And they sit them down with the careers advisors, they fill in these forms, and the form says, do you like doing this? Do you like doing that? And it came back that mm -hmm. um, my daughter would be well suited to work in IT. Okay. So that I thought, oh, that's, that's quite good. She was then pulled in the next day and told, yeah, women don't really work in IT, so let's sit down and answer these questions again, and I will help you with these questions to find a suitable career. Oh, party. tell me you stormed into that school. I, oh my God. I wasn't too happy about that. The school, the school oh. weren't, weren't reactive to that at all, but I did explain to her the kind of, the great things that yourself, mm -hmm. Janet, uh, she's met Claire. So I use Claire as a good example. And mm -hmm. Anna, the awesome things and Megan that they, that you all do in it. And it's nothing about gender. I mean, I, diverse a little bit on here i read a comment yesterday or the day before about it being great to have another female mvp in the area yeah and i'm like doesn't matter male or female they're still an awesome mvp it's almost like it's exactly. pigeonholing them or categorizing them as a female but no hell mm -hmm. we're all it doesn't matter male female we're all if we're good at what we do, we're good at what we do. So like I coach football. Yeah. If you're if you're good enough, you're you're able to play regardless. No, it's it's true. And the the one aspect where I would say that it's good to say it's good to have another female MVP is because that's another example for other women to see to then aspire. Exactly. She did not get it because she's female. Her skills are equivalent. It's all about what can she bring to the community? Right. And, and you earn it. So I completely agree. The whole thing, you know, sometimes this advice that your daughter got, I, I do believe it's wrong. A it's wrong, but B sometimes I, I feel that people do that to protect people because they don't want people to be disappointed or they don't want them to get hurt or they don't want, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's that whole thing of, okay, get out of that mode. Let's, do the whole growth mindset that we use a little word too much, but it's like, if people aspire to do something, let them do it. And if they stumble, that's how they learn. Yep. So whenever they get that advice, I think, I don't think people are trying to hold people back. I think that they're using some older advice they got, some unconscious bias they have trying to quote unquote protect people. And it's not helping. Yeah. Yeah, so IT is not a, a job for females is probably what she was told is 22 years ago. Um, she won't get a job, blah, 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 blah. So she'll only, yeah. she'll only go so. to a certain part. I mean, I uh -huh. remember right. my granny worked for Unisys, who are a, um, I mm -hmm. can't remember what they do, something to do with clocks and things that are timings and data. And she was a data analyst. 
and she just inputted data and worked with that data. And she'd done that, and we were talking a good 30 or 40 years ago. So even at that point, there were jobs in tech for females, but there there may have been, and I think there still is maybe a, a little bit of a glass ceiling in terms mm-hmm. of how how far females can go within industries. I mean, I where I work yeah. at the moment, we've got a female COO who is absolutely amazing. So it is getting out there, but it is it takes either somebody very special knocking doors down, or yeah. it does take that little bit of the push. The I mean, I, I don't care. I get flagged for it, but the positive discrimination uh, it mm-hmm. does take that to get people on that road. Well, it is it's it is it. You're bringing really really great points, which is the be mindful, the asking difficult questions, and the pushing on things a bit. There's also also things people can do with just basic infrastructure of how companies are run that allow women more opportunities as well. Um, whether that is you know the kind of leave that is available to everyone in regards to family care or, or things, and the fact that that leave is not seen as a uh, uh, black check or whatever we want to call it, a check in the records is, is not a good thing that they took that. Um, it, it's, yeah, it, it's really fascinating. I mean, there's so much unconscious bias against that about what, what, what goes on in people's lives and what they can supposedly contribute as a result. I mean, one of my favorite examples to, to say in this, people get a little uncomfortable is like, I don't know very many men. I have been surrounded by men my entire career, 25 years in high tech. I don't know very many men who are asked how they do it all, how they balance family and career, this, that, and the other, right? Meanwhile, every woman has been asked this question, okay? And most of the time when I, when you're asked this question, it's by other women because we're trying to figure this shit out. So there, I'm going with you guys as far as the salty language. But... <laughs> um, but it's just interesting because there's there's still a challenge, big challenge in my company and every company out there that there's this idea that women of a certain age or if you have young kids, that the company can't expect as much out of you. And that's one of the things that needs to be exposed more. I, I can't remember how I got to this. I think it has to do with the fact that what you said about, you know, women used to do this and blah, 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 blah. But yeah. it's, like, it's just, ugh. But do you think that that's maybe changing? Yeah, do you think maybe that mindset slightly changing in the, certainly Mm -hmm. within the UK, I I don't have kids, it's been our choice not to have any, Uh but I believe there's much more of the parental leave, because it's not maternity leave, it's now parental leave, and it can be shared, so it can be shared between both parties, so instead of the guy just getting two weeks, which I think has always been crap, Mm -hmm. have a kid and you only get two weeks off, the two weeks are probably the easiest two weeks. It's the next six months that are a nightmare. I don't know. But so I'm, you know, I think it's good. I think it's good that you can now sort of change that between both people. And it might be that one person, obviously 50%, let's be honest, people probably don't earn the same in a household. And it's not necessarily A or B that earns more. So you could make that choice at that point. And I think it's much better to empower the family unit to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw a total curveball here then. So, Carissa, you mentioned if a woman takes some time off to go away and have a child, that's that goes as a black mark against her. So, Ian, in the UK, we can split the parental leave. Do you think that somebody would get a black mark? So, if I, if me and Kate decided to have another child, which is never going to happen, um, do you think if I took the six months off, I would be, I would get a black mark against my name for doing it? I. I don't think where I am at the moment I would agree. do that, but places I've been historically, um, I think you would be lambasted for that. I probably agree with you, and the only experience I can give to that is I changed jobs. I changed my whole structure, my whole life a year ago due to family stuff, mm-hmm. looking after parents. And I made the choice to completely change 360 and take a massive risk but my family were more important to me. Right. And I don't know how well that went down with the company. I don't think they believed necessarily or or what was going on. And I, I think even after that, when I told people what I'd done, you could see people looking at me like, are you mental? Why did you do that? Well, it doesn't care. I can go stack shelves if I need to. Yeah. If I still need to put bread on the table, I can do that. That's, that's the thing. 
that allows me to live my life. It's not what, yeah, I think certain places, depending where you are, and that could be to do with the management you have in your place that you've said, Mark, as well, where you've got the CEO and you've got various people, you have an even spread of people in power, if you want to put that at the top of the tree. And that's part of it. And I think there's more companies like that, more certainly younger companies and newer companies have that ethos where they see actual mental health is an important thing, diversity is an important thing, but it's not about ticking the box as it used to be. It's not about saying, oh, do you fit into criteria? Yes, awesome, you're the person for the job. But I think there's still certainly a jobs for the boys type thing that has that with certain companies. I, I admire the honesty in the conversation, and I agree with you. I think companies are putting in some benefits now or changing some policies due to pressure yet they're not completely authentic and when you do go to use them they're like really you know and it's kind of what you're hinting at right it's available to you but then when you go use it people you for starters i would say that there's probably a little bit of an inner dialogue there of what we tell ourselves about what people will think if we do this and honestly i would say probably half the people or more are probably going gosh i wish i had the guts to do it myself right so there's an inner dialogue there but there is also this fact that that companies are, because everything is so visible these days with internet and all that other fun stuff, I think companies are putting policies in place and they're like, oh, okay. And they need to, to then adjust the perception, or there's another word I'm, I'm not using well, about actually using those policies. And then I would say, especially around mental health these days, because people are talking about more and more and people are starting to quantify so they've quantified the impact of diversity, or they've tried, that there's a financial hit on companies if they're not diverse in many ways. Quality of their products, the experience for the employees, their PR, you name it. But they're also starting to do that, I think, a little bit more with mental health, as far as if you don't address something now, you have to address it later. Yet, so they put policies in place, and the point is, which I'm not getting to very well, is that, but then when people actually take advantage of those things, there's still this almost stigma. Right. The stigma around it. Yeah, there's still a stigma. Gosh, we have to grow up. A bad taste or whatever you want to call it. I also think that, kind of talking around that, a lot of companies are still reactive to things along those lines. So they're not proactive. So I'm, in fact, it's actually later on this month, I'm on a two-day workshop for mental Mm -hmm. health first aid. So I I line manage as part of my, my role. So... Being able to do, I mean, I don't know what the output of it is actually going to be, but to be able to to comfort somebody or to give somebody advice around mental health, um, and these are things that my company are promoting, is brilliant. It's being proactive about people's mental health rather than being, oh, you've got a problem now, we're going to have to send you away mm-hmm. somewhere for six weeks. It's being proactive and I'm not letting it get to that stage. So those are the things... Mm-hmm. I think a lot of companies now are starting to realize it's not just reactive. It's yeah. been being on top of things and and being ready for it. I think that hard part of what Chris was saying where there's a, a financial impact on things as well. And it's either whether they front load it and prepare people for mm-hmm. it and allow them to have the tools to reach out and and address it much earlier before it becomes this big thing where, do you know what, the breaking point is that yeah. so far gone that, it's, it's massively detrimental and you're it's about addressing everything at the right time isn't it and and being aware of it rather than pretending you've addressed it and putting yep. the policies in place to say well you can do this but nobody ever actually uses it or even when it comes to somebody using it they can almost feel people's eyes rolling because they're like oh this is such a chore i don't know how to do this i've never done this before yeah. it shouldn't be like people that. are much more comfortable go ahead Mark. or the other the other one that I find quite often is if somebody takes advantage of of the benefits and the things that companies put in place, there's a we use stigma again of um, they know yeah. how to work the system. That that's quite a, a thing I've seen recently that or oh, they know how to work the system. They'll be off for this length of time. They'll come back. They'll then go off again. They just know how to play the system. They know everything, but. In the real world, it's not that easy. Oh, I've heard that so many times as far as, oh, they're getting really good, quote, people advice or they're taking advantage of X, Y, and Z. And and it's, we have to, we have to stop. We need to be more supportive as a group. Um, 
it's interesting. What I was going to say is um, we're much more comfortable as a society dealing with things when they go code red, for lack of a better term. And I had a very direct conversation with our overall lead of HR at Microsoft about this in the sense that um, we don't have a sabbatical program at Microsoft based on tenure. We have one based on um, seniority. It's pretty hard to get to. But we don't have one based on tenure. We did put in recently a great program where I can go now take leave to take care of a parent or a child, right, when something has gone critical. I have worked with so many people, though, who have gotten to the point of burnout that they had to leave, that we lose really good talent because they can't just take some time to to recharge, right? And I feel that, personally, my yep. company has lost a lot of really great people because we only address things when they get to code red. And this is typical for any company. I, I, I absolutely love Microsoft. I have been here for 22 years for a reason. But I think with any big company... And it comes back to Ian, what we were talking about earlier about the financial impact. They need to do a little bit more digging here because we're losing people due to burnout because we're not addressing issues as they're building. Is that, is that making sense? Am I, I don't know if I'm being clear. That's, yeah, yeah that's yep. kind of what I was trying to get to at that yes. point as well. It's about addressing it before it gets to the point that it's critical mass because it's too late. at that point, But people can throw late. up their hands and go, what could we do? Hey, you know, what could we do? You know, the person, you know, had a nervous breakdown or her father ended up, you know, she had to take time because her father had a stroke, right? Or isn't it, it but that's, it's like this yep. moment of time before people do anything. And it's, it's, it, there's so much more subtlety than that. So another, I'm going to throw one out here. Um, do you think there is such a thing as a gender pay gap? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay. I honestly do. Now I think, so you, I will say, in my world travels, I think that there are definitely cultures, uh, countries, whatever you want to call it, that have addressed this earlier on than than we have in the States or other places have. Um, but there's definitely a pay gap. Um, and it has to do, there's so many pieces to it. It's not, not so easy. I love the fact that Benioff wrote a check, right? I think we all know that story about Salesforce. No. Um, it's not that easy. Do you no, know that story? No. So Salesforce did a huge study. I will find the link. They did a huge study and they found out they had a significant uh, difference in the amount that they were paying women versus men for the same job. Now, granted, we all know that there's like levels of how much people put in and their success, especially on sales where it can be very varying with, with compensation, with deals. But they came up and they're like, wow, we have a big gap. Benioff literally wrote a check and brought made everybody whole. Okay? That was last okay. year. Wow. And, and then my immediate thing was, excellent work. So what are you doing going forward? Right? So, so yeah, it's okay. Right. It's a one-off, right? People do it yeah, every year. Exactly. You know, I know there's a pay gap because I have a friend who, when I was very early in career, so this was a ways back, but I refuse to believe it's changed. Literally, she was in HR and she spent time working with other HR people and hiring managers because they would offer men more money than women. And so she, at that point, this was literally 25 years ago, was trying to, to stop that and catch that. And it was very prevalent, right? Well, the man, he supports the family or they just automatically pay a man more because they think he's going to be longer term with the company, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I, and I think, but then it's not just that. I also think it's um, what we've gone back to as far as how women will wait until everything's perfect to apply for the job. Um, same thing as far as, you know, performance reviews, as far as asserting themselves with how well they've been doing or what they feel, you know, they merit. I, I definitely think it is out there. And I don't think the answer, though, is that everybody gets paid the exact same rate. Because I might be at a point in my career where I can dial it up or I am recognizing the fruits of 18 months of insane amount of work and now my accounts are doing X, Y, Z or that project's been delivered, right? It, it's not supposed to yeah. be all equal. Um, I do think we need to go look at how people enter, how they progress and, and the reward system. I, I do. What do you think? So I just spent a bunch of yep. time telling you what I think. What do you think? So I've got kind of 
two takes on this. So for me, when I've been in job processes, the job has been advertised at a certain amount. And Mm -hmm. that job is available for male or females to apply for that. And then when we come to reviews, most companies I've dealt with have a scoring system where line manager would score them and they would score themselves. And it's based on percentage on scores. So Mm -hmm. if two people were to start in the business at the same time, one male, one female, both on the same rate, then I would see them... I mean, obviously, as you say, sales and different mm-hmm, performance right. have come down. But I would expect them not to deviate too much throughout right. the course of their career. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to ask the question, if you thought that was mm-hmm. was still a thing. But on the other the other flip, I can maybe see where you're, where you're coming from, that a female may not go for that job until all the ducks are in a row. Mm-hmm. And then if you're aware that they're maybe reaching a little bit more for that job, then you could in theory lowball them with an offer Mm -hmm. and they would think that I've been lucky to get this offer and take Uh that lower amount. So that's maybe where it could come in. I never thought of that until a moment ago. Well, and then the other piece building also something you said, which was that whole self-evaluation in, in, in parallel with the manager. If women are, it, you know historically not rating themselves this. pardon i thought you were going somewhere else totally oh. with that but i'll let you go on okay yeah then bring me back okay so if they historically rate themselves not as high and the manager then follows that because it makes this the the bell curve or it makes the overall scale easier that's another way that this can get out of this get skewed differently or out of out of whatever balance quickly is if the woman isn't pushing for what she deserves and the manager isn't promoting that woman yep. or in the it, it, it's it's nuance oh my gosh it's so hard if we could just apply some big model and everything would be happy i'd love it but that's another place where it gets out so i've got a whole spanner mm-hmm. thing in here so historically my partner has always earned more than me and we used to work in the same place and that's where mm-hmm. we first met so we went in both on the same basic salary that's the way it worked there wasn't a difference. It was, this is the starting rate for whoever you are. And then it's tiered. And from that, there was different percentages, exactly as you said, based on performance reviews and got the core values of the business, et cetera, et cetera. And Jen always earned more than me, got better bonuses than me and always has done. And then mm-hmm. I, I've moved jobs mm-hmm. with careers and different different stuff. So I, I now earned the, the, the bigger salary. But it's just interesting that I've just never really been exposed to the difference in that at all and I, I suppose that's where I'm slightly naive and, and very fortunate I think in that way because it certainly does exist having had conversations like this with obviously today with you guys and just in general I, I there's mm-hmm. no smoke without fire people talk about it it must exist doesn't matter what the conspiracy is right. there's no smoke without fire so on the on the sort of review thing as well I'm just having a little thought about that and it is it's how you go into that so if we follow the two people that are still following that same career path, mm-hmm. if the, the guy goes in and he's like, yeah, I'm a five for everything because I'm brilliant, I am amazing. Uh-huh. Everyone within that business, yeah, he is the man. Yeah, He is the man, he is the greatest. If a woman was to go in and score herself all five for everything, mm-hmm. she's she's full of herself. Yes. She's, she's thinking she's something she's not. Yes. How dare, how dare she think that? Get back you're not a place. five, you're a three. Yes. Never again, these are things I've I've never personally seen, but I could they see how happen. that could happen. There is, some of it's pretty industry specific, but it, it, it does happen. Um and yes, it does happen. I heard a story recently of someone was sitting in a room and like four or five people came in and they knew that they were meeting various key stakeholders within the business, but a lot of them were new and didn't know who they were. This is um, trying to be as a uh, discreet almost I, as I, I can here and not saying I know the story, don't I? I think you might know the story, but like there was a, a woman came in the room and this one person stood up, shook hands with them, as they did with everybody else that came in the room, whereas the other four people in the room almost didn't react to that person coming in. Yep. 
And it turns out that person was of a very high stature within the business and is a female. Mm-hmm. But to the other four people who were males, they didn't seem to really acknowledge them other than saying hi, nod to the head, but there was no handshake. There was nothing like that. There was none of the normal business pleasantries you would have with someone. I've had that happen so really? many times. I find that so career. interesting. I have stories you would not believe about about uh, when I was the account executive for all of the execs in the room and the Microsoft execs who came in to talk uh, assumed I was the admin and these were all of my accounts, right? I was the account manager. Like, I, I wish we had very... video right now because I'm actually just like open George shaking my head with a sort of yeah. crazy glint because I'm just like, I can't believe that this happens. Yeah, yeah it, it does. So that's actually happened happened Ian so if you think of um let's not name any scenarios but could you imagine you were out for pizza somewhere and somebody of a certain gender was told to go and sit on the other side of the room because you couldn't be technical uh-huh. that's exactly that same thing isn't it that is exactly that and the response from that person was awesome at the time and it's not <laughs> for podcast that, I want to that hear is, it offline that's an expletive that I won't use <laughs> and this is why we love Claire <laughs> Go, Claire. So, so there's another piece to this, you guys, I want to throw out. And then I actually have to leave pretty soon, and I'm so sad. So please promise that we can talk again. So when I talk with women, because women actually will naturally do this, because we, we are naturally the ones who, just based on gender roles, how we were raised, we will defer. And so one of the things that I have pushed myself to do is when I enter a conference room and I'm in a meeting and I am a primary participant, I either sit at the head of the table or the middle of the table because those are power places. Awesome. In the past, I would have sat off to the side. If there were not enough chairs for everyone, I'd be the first person to give up my chair, right? Because I'm a nice person too. This is all like, (laughs) we don't want to be jerks. We're also nice people. However, a lot of the, some of the coaching I do with women is also on presence and, and walking in and just kind of knowing that you should be at that table. I mean, there's some real small things that can help with what all these things that you're also describing. But th- but then, yes, there's all of this unconscious bias running around that is just absolutely insane. About I think for me, you touch on the point there about like, because you're a nice person thing. I yeah. do, I, I'll offer someone a seat and things like that. And then I, I'm like, oh, I don't want to make them feel awkward because I've offered them a seat because they're older or they're a woman or they're... No, we don't take it like that. Something. I, I'm not like that. I just say, no. like, I've been sitting for 20 minutes. Do you want a seat? Is, yeah. is what goes through my head. But then I become so... Because of the positive discrimination sort of stuff that I've had go on, I have this whole mindset where... Yeah. I talk about people being guys. I have this, I can't say guys, because that's that's derogatory, it's different but it's macro-localism or I need to offer you a seat or I shouldn't offer you the seat. And I have this whole inner monologue of all these random <laughs> things. You're that just paralyzed. Else stresses about. Yeah, I become <laughs> totally paralyzed and become paralyzed in my own inner monologue. It is mental. It's not even an inner monologue. I usually get texts saying, should I let this person sit down? <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the deal. We're, we, we can't take the niceness out of society and we shouldn't take we shouldn't take just polite manners out of society. So I'll tell you what, next time I'm over there, you guys, you're more than welcome to open a door for me. I'm not going to make it. It doesn't make me feel <laughs> like I can't open the door for myself. Seriously. I'm joking, I'm slamming it in your face yeah, and locking it and I'm making you do it yourself. I'm not And that's the thing. It's like, we don't need to go. People are going crazy, right? And it's like, ah, let's all just be. It's like you're saying, Ian. It's like, well, I understand sometimes why we have to do this and why we have to look at do we have 50% of women. It should just happen. It's like everybody, it's just, we're nice people. We have the best of intentions. We don't have to necessarily change some stuff, right? It's just being a little bit more deliberate. And please don't think yourself into paralysis. I think it's just paralysis. simplifying things. In, yeah. Please don't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But cool. Do you know what? I know you said you had to go. I do. I'm sorry. It has been awesome. And I... I think we could have this talk. This could be like the longest podcast in history. <laughs> for like people hours, already like because I bet we forgot up. we were recording this already. Like, yeah, people already left. <laughs> but do you know what? If they left, they left. They, they missed they a good missed. chat, and that was their yes. choice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you stayed with us, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a blast, you guys. Thanks so much for including me, and I look forward to seeing you. I'll be over in London, like I said. So I that's not that far. We'll come, I'll come Text over me some it. dates and we'll arrange something. All right. 
That sounds great. And thanks for everything you guys are doing with the community. It's, it's having a huge, huge impact. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Y'all Cheers. Take care. Thanks. Bye. That was, uh, I want to say, quite a, not a heavy podcast, but it was quite an enlightening one. I've kind of picked up some things that I didn't really appreciate, maybe, is the, the term yeah, I would I use. I said the same even on the podcast, but I was naive to certain stuff. And I think that's just the, the culture that I've worked in and been brought up in. I've not been exposed to certain things, but it's good to talk about it. It's good to get out there. Yeah, it's hard hitting, but things ha- that have to be addressed have to be hard hitting, I think. Yeah, and it's just, it just so happens we have a nice little platform that, that will allow us to talk about the things that are maybe not as technical, maybe not as taboo. So yeah, it was quite a... An interesting chat. Um, we did get some words in, which I was surprised. Um, three of us in one room, I think. <laughs> I'm hey, pity anybody else that was trying to join that conversation, to be fair. Yep, so I think that's a, a good place to, to wrap it up for today. So we will see you next month. We promise we'll have one out next month as well. Thanks very much. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe to the podcast with your favourite app and check out crm.audio for information on all the other shows on the network.